Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. haven't grabbed them yet, grab out those two pieces of paper that are in your worship folder this morning, those two inserts. One is, is a for further study for you to take home with you this week and to kind of guide you as you think through uh, some of the things that we've talked about this morning. And then there's another kind of portrait of prayer there that, that is uh, on the back there. That's printed from, uh, um, from the National Day of Prayer team for, for, to guide you in that. Uh, and also, if you'd pull out that note sheet and grab a pen and maybe stretch your hand out a little bit, uh, if you notice, there's lots of things to fill in today. Um, I, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe I should just get through part of this this morning, but I think we can do it. Um, I'm not going to dwell on, on things long, so um, you might have to write fast uh, or listen to the sermon again later this week on either Facebook or YouTube or the church website. If I know last week's we did a couple things like the song that I sang at the end and we played a video, a Casting Crowns video. Well, as soon as we do that, uh, all of the platforms out there, their algorithm says, nope, that's copyrighted, we can't do that. And so we had trouble keeping it up. But you can always go to our northhillsbaptist.net and it, it generally takes us a couple days because Caleb cuts it up to the, to the message part. Uh, but it will always be there. And if it's not, if you can't find it, call us, let us know. Hey, it's not up. I, I, I want access to this because uh, sometimes we don't, we don't pay attention and we don't see that that is the case. Well, this morning I want to start by asking the question, if, have you ever asked yourself the question, why would God ever want to talk to me? Uh, why does he care what happens in my life? Or maybe you are someone who is still wondering, who is God? You know, I've, I've heard about him, I've heard the name, uh, I've heard Jesus, there's a lot of people that talk about him a lot, but you know, I, I really don't know that much about him. Maybe that's where you are this morning, and that's where I want to start off this week as we kick off this series, who is God, and why does he even want to talk to me? Uh, let's first put ourselves above the unformed planet Thousands of years ago, before creation even occurred, uh, uh, God's words must have pierced the darkness like a mighty thunderclap rolling over and covering the abyss. With an angelic choir serenading this mysterious drama, a timeless God grasped the edges of infinity and gave the first invocation of life. With joyful and vigorous energy, God orchestrated this symphony of creativity with his voice, with unrestrained and unimaginable power and authority. He shaped and formed the world and the universe one divine word at a time. He called out, let there be light, let there be sky, 
Stars, begin your trek of light. Moon, commence your orbit. Oceans, burst forth. But here are your limits. Mountains, raise up valleys. Sink low. And day after day, he spoke the underwater world, gravity, and the animal kingdom into existence and into harmony. Then on the sixth day, with his own hands, he took dust, he formed man, and he breathed into him the essence of life. God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the living word, permeated the soul of man, and he said, speak with me, call unto me, walk with me in the garden, seek my face. And you know, his desire has never changed since that day. Just as Adam heard his voice writing on the breeze of the day, God still calls to you and me today. In prayer, He wants us to respond back to him. God says, I long for the pleasure of your company. Won't you join me? And you see, prayer is the manner in which we communicate and commune with God. In prayer, we lay open our needs and our hurts to him. In prayer, we call out to God on behalf of people that we love and people that we don't yet. Prayer is how we repent. Prayer is how we surrender to his will and action in our lives. J. Oswald Sanders said it this way, prayer is the most ancient, most universal, and most intense expression of the religious instinct. Prayer is indeed the Christian's vital breath and native air. So the first question that I want to kind of talk about this morning is, who is this God to whom we pray? Who is he? And throughout the history of God's dealing with man and mankind since he created time, he has gone to great lengths to reveal himself to us. Yet at the same time, he leaves this veil over the top of who he is for each and every one of us. I think part of the reason for that is so that we can struggle through learning who he is on our own so that we can get a personal glimpse and be, become an intimate relationship and knowledge of our creator. And prayer takes us by the hand and leads us through the boundaries of finite limitations, guiding us into the territory and the dimension of the holy. Prayer has many dimensions. Uh, one of them takes us to a place of discovery of God. Now I want you to listen to this description of Deuteronomy chapter 4, that this description that comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 32 through 40. You can turn there if you want, but I'm not going to wait because I've got to get through this. <laughs> Number 32, or, or uh, verse 32, ask now about the former days long before your time, from the day God created human beings on the earth, ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened? Has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? 
Has any God, little g, ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other From heaven, he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth, he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of the fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven and above on the earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands, which I am giving you today, so that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. Who is God? He is the creator of all things. All things. Now let's retrace the steps of a few of those who have walked before us and encountered God through prayer and observe what they learned that we too may know. First of all, God is holy. This is actually the second one. He is the creator of all things. God is holy. And within that holiness, communion with God is holy ground. Moses met with God. And when they did, God said, you are on holy ground. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, let me read that for you. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. There's just some ordinary bushes. There's just some ordinary sheep. And suddenly, within the commonplace, the extraordinary bursts forth. Flames of fire burst from a bush without burning up the bush. And now having Moses' complete attention, God says, Moses, take your sandals off. You are standing on holy ground. You are here with me. You see, meeting with God is a sacred moment to be honored. Now, do I think that we can have casual conversations with God throughout the day? Yes, I do. But I say that with caution. Because I think too often we do get a bit casual with God and we forget 
who he really is. We must be sure that we are accounting for the fact that God is what he is and that, and that when we are approaching him in prayer and in communion, that we are approaching him respectfully, with reverence, with fear, not Though I would say Moses was fearful there. He was fearful that if he might be in the direct presence of God, he might actually die. We don't fear that. And that almost takes us to the other end where we don't have that healthy, reverent fear of an all-powerful God when we are communing with him. Meeting with God is a sacred moment to be honored. And the Lord can take the mundane moments of our lives and ignite them with the spectacular or even just the extraordinary if we will only recognize who we are talking to and the unfathomable resource that we connect to when we connect our hearts with God. May we remember that the place of prayer is holy ground where our lives take a new direction, where we receive passion and we receive hope. If your prayers have begun to feel common, usual, ordinary, maybe even boring, I want to challenge you and encourage you to move from casual prayer to a concentrated prayer and petition and ask your all-powerful and holy God to show you his holiness. That you might yourself be in the position that he wants you to be in. Our communication with God is found in a holy place. God is absolutely pure and clean. In Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, God says, I am the Lord your God. Concentrate your, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. When is the last time you consecrated yourself before you entered into the presence of God? You specifically took time to repent and ask God to forgive you before you asked him for something, before you laid down your burdens at his feet. There is no sin or flaw or mistake that can be found in God, not in his character, not in his actions, not in his being, anywhere. He is incorruptible. He can't be coerced. He can't be bribed. And when we approach him, we need to remember to be respectful and reverent. Now, how do we know when we are in his presence? Oftentimes we know because we don't want to leave his presence. You know you are on holy ground when you don't want to leave his presence. We cleave to him. We cling to him. Satan is working overtime to convince you that everything you hear about God is not true. That he's not powerful enough or that he doesn't care enough that if you do cling to him, that he will be there for you. But he is real. And due to that fact, we grow strong 
as we commune with him through prayer. And as we do, we want more and more and more of him. And as we want more and more, we, comp- we commune more. And there is strength in prayer that comes from knowing he is near and experiencing him near. And we don't want to leave. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. You call on him, he is near. God is also everywhere all at once. In Psalm 139, 7 and 8, David says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Because he is near to someone else does not make him far away from you. Isn't that great? You know, when, you're, when you go to visit someone, you're with that someone, and you leave family at home. When God is visiting that someone, he's still with you at home. He is everywhere. Often we, when we pray, we don't realize that God is near or that he's even really listening. Have you ever thought, it just feels like I'm talking to the ceiling? It just feels like my my prayers are going out there into empty space. You know, like some of those text messages you you send. Some of those messages you leave. Wait, you didn't get my message? No, and then a week later or two weeks later. It doesn't just have to be the U.S. Postal Service that takes a lot of time. Sometimes technology does the exact same thing. No, God is everywhere. Everywhere. All at once. God is also outside of time. This one always blows my mind when I try to think about it a little bit. God moves without limits beyond time's grasp. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, and maybe even all at the same time. It's like time is this, and I, I, was, I took this out because of time, but <laughs> imagine I'm holding a rope, and, and you have creation right here, and you have whatever the end is going to be right here, and you draw a little tiny line with a, an ink pen on that rope, and that little thin line of ink represents your entire lifetime. God is above all of that. He is looking down on all of that all at the same time. He is not subject to the limits of time. That means he can prepare upcoming circumstances according to your prayers because he is beyond time. In addition, since God is beyond time, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which happened several thousand years ago, is sufficient to atone for your sin and my sin today. He is beyond time, even though we weren't even born at the time of our Lord's sacrifice. When we make requests to him, when it seems the answer takes forever or when we don't get the answer we hoped for, God, you see, God has the long view. He has the whole view. His perspective is eternal. His answers take all of time into account. God is all-knowing. Uh, uh, the, the big word for that is omniscient. 
He is the beginning and the end of all understanding. Hagar said this, you are the God who sees. Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, in Genesis 16, verses 7 through 13, Hagar thought she was alone. She thought that nobody cared and no one understood. She felt rejected. She was rejected. She was broken. She was pregnant with nowhere to live. And she sat beside the spring, mourning the collapse of her world. That is when God came beside her and introduced himself as the omniscient one, the one who knows and understands everything. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you are broken and alone, mourning the collapse of your world. See, there is no problem that you have and there is no burden that you have to bear that God doesn't know about and that he doesn't care about. And you need to remember that. His intention for us is that we would cast our cares upon him. God knew us when we were in our mother's womb, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. He knows the number of hairs on our head. And for some of us, it's not that difficult, but for some of us, it really is. And you think, why would God care about how many hairs are on the top of my head? I don't know why he would care, but the fact that he knows says something about him. It says to me that you care to him. That he cares about you. And then God has many other attributes. Too many to cover this morning. But here are four more quick ones. He is immutable, omnipotent, eternal, and imminent. Immutable means that God does not change. He's the same today as he has always been and will be forever. Omnipotent means that God is all-powerful. Eternal, obviously. God has no beginning and no end. Think about that one for a day. Wait, so no beginning? We all understand beginnings and endings, right? We all had a beginning. We're all going to have an ending. God didn't and won't. And he is imminent, which means God is active in his creation. He is present. He didn't spin the globe and step back and go, all right, let's watch and see how they fend for themselves and how this all ends up. He created and he has continued to be a part of that creation. He is imminent. So if he is so amazing, which he is, and so powerful, that does beg an honest question. Why? Why then? Why on earth does he want to talk to me? Why does God want to talk to me? Why does God want to talk to you? Well, first of all, and I think maybe you've seen this in some of his character traits, you are his creation and he loves you. He made you. 
He gave us all that we have and he wants to communicate to us how much he loves us. That's why he wants to talk to you. He stepped into our world. He directs our steps on a daily basis. He goes before us. He speaks to us through various forms to guide us. He teaches us. That's his communicating to us. God also desires to reveal himself to us. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That forgiveness is a conversation on God's part. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Through our prayers, God draws us in to be part, a part of his amazing work as he communicates that to us and as we follow him obediently. God works to heal nations and give strength to the weak. Prayer also gives us power over evil. Okay, let's back up. I skipped a page. Didn't I? Roy's back there going, oh, where is he? Where is he? how good God is. He worked those verses into that point that wasn't even that point. <laughs> All right. God also desires to reveal himself to us. He wants us to know him. That's why he talks to us. In the book of Revelation through the apostle John, God allows us to step into eternity and get a glimpse into his throne room. John was taken in the spirit into the place of God's habitation, and this is what he records in Revelation chapter five, verses two through eight. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? John says, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. He came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. God communicates to us in many ways and he wants us to communicate with him. And when we do, those prayers are like held for all of eternity in a bowl. And they are sweet to God. 
So God wants to speak to us, and then why does God want me to speak to him? Have, I, have we caught back up with each other? Are we on the same? You got all the bullet points filled out under number two? Okay, good. That's the problem with having like 26 spaces to fill in, right? Why does God want to talk to me? Well, the first reason that I want to point out, this is not an exhaustive list, by the way. This could have gone on and on and on and on, but for this morning, there's 13. The first is God wants us to pray our problems into his realm. And when we do, he will bless and restore and forgive and heal and meet our every need. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Those are the words of God. You will seek and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Our prayers are sweet-smelling incense to God. When we praise and adore him, When those prayers take flight, they are forever lifted up. The prayers of those whom he has redeemed are continually treasured. Psalm 141.2, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. When is the last time you viewed your prayers that way? Because that's what they are. Next, uh, we, God wants us to talk to him. Uh, we're to talk to him because we're instructed to. Jesus said we are to pray for those who persecute us. Paul challenges us to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, to pray continually. And James tells us to confess our sins to each other and to pray for each other so that we may be healed and the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. God wants us to, we're instructed to, and Jesus did. Jesus prayed. Jesus talked to the Father. We should follow his example and we should pray regularly just like he did. Jesus often withdrew to to lonely places and he prayed by himself. He went out to mountainsides to pray. He spent the night praying to God. He also took the disciples along and asked them to pray along with him. He took Peter, John, and James with him and he went up onto a mountain to pray. We pray because God wants us to. We're instructed to. Jesus did. And prayer is how we communicate with worship and praise God. Too many times we think worship is music. Worship is singing. Pastor Caleb says on a Sunday morning, okay, now let's worship. And he gets up and he plays a guitar and we sing. What you don't need to hear from him is that worship, that that singing is the only form of worship, because it's not. When we give of our tithes and our offerings, that is worship. When you're doing your job to the best of your abilities and you're serving others, it's worship. When we partake of communion, it's worship. When we listen to the word of God, it's worship. Prayer is part of worship. 
Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Many of the Psalms are, in fact, prayers, voicing worship and petition and thanksgiving in poems and songs. And, and I would guess, I haven't studied this, but it's likely that most of those were written first and then set to music so that they could sing them and repeat them and remember them like those commercials that you see three or four times a day. And then they're stuck in your head. Why? Because you see them and you hear them and they throw a little jingle to it and then you're stuck. But obviously we're not stuck when we remember a worship song. It aids us in our worship. God wants us to he wants us to pray. We're instructed to. Jesus did. It's how we communicate, worship, and praise God. And through prayer, God allows us to participate in his works. It's pretty cool of him to include us in the work that he wants. He doesn't need us. But he loves us, and he's, he wants to be in relationship with us. And so he includes us in what he is doing. And prayer can heal nations and grant us strength to endure trials. I already mentioned this a little bit. And it plays a part in bringing others to faith in Christ. Prayer also gives us power over evil. We wage war in the spiritual battle through prayer. Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ that happens through prayer. Our communication with God. Our surrendering to him. It's one thing to think, to think I'm humble before God in my head. It's another thing to get down on my knees and bow down before him and show him physically that I am humble before him. When we do that, there's something that happens between our head and our heart. It's always bugged me, though I understand kind of how and why it happens, but when we sing, we sing a song that says, I lift my arms to you in worship, and we all stand there with our hands at our sides. It, and I sit up here in the front and go, oh, well. Sort of like a half raising my hands, right? Why? Because I'm thinking to myself, number one, what are other people gonna think, which is what you're thinking too. Oh, well, who is he raising his hands? What if we just get lost in the moment and we don't think about anybody else? We're focusing on him. I don't know if I would care if I couldn't sing or carry a tune in a bucket or if I would. But when I sing, I like to sing. And I don't do it quietly. Shouldn't we all be uninhibited before our God, not thinking about other people? Physical strength and power are of no use in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, I mean. 
Even the physically weak can be strong in prayer. You feel like you're, you feel like you're old and you have nothing to contribute to society any longer? Baloney. There is more power in prayer from someone who can't maybe physically contribute in any way than somebody who is strong and has no prayer life. You think that you're not doing anything for the kingdom because you have a chronic illness or, or you're elderly. Don't listen to that voice. See, where a lot of people have lots of things that they have to do and they get lost in all of that busyness and they forget to pray or they don't take time to pray, you have time and can. And please, pray. It's the most powerful thing that you could ever do. Prayer gives us power over evil. Prayer is always available to us. There is nothing that can keep a believer from coming before God. Governments can close church doors. Terrorists can burn them down. Nations can, can, can condemn and forbid God's word, but there are no barriers to prayer. None. Prayer is always available to us. Psalm 139.7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Paul says in, in Romans 8.38 and 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Prayer brings us into that moment. Prayer keeps us humble before God. It's through prayer we realize that God is in control and we can do nothing apart from him. Nothing. Nothing is too hard for him. He is the vine, we are the branches, and if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Prayer grants us the privilege of experiencing God. It positions us. We make ourselves available to God. We open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit, the advocate whom God has sent us. Acts 1.8 describes it this way, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Prayer grants us the privilege of experiencing God and answered prayer has the potential to be an incredible witness to unbelievers and those who are around us. If you're like me, you've probably prayed that before. God, if you, if you would do this, if you would do a miracle in this situation, imagine, just imagine all of the people who would be amazed. We've prayed that over and over and over and over again for my niece. Now, miraculously and amazingly, God has kept her, 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 her cancer in check. But he hasn't healed her yet. But there are... I would say thousands of people across the United States who have a connection to her through some connection or some other connection with someone else and they are seeing the power of prayer though she hasn't been healed yet. They are still experiencing God's healing and for whatever reason, whatever timing God is working out, I don't know. But you see, I can trust him because he sees it all. 
right? Skeptics will always have criticisms and doubts regarding answered prayer. But there are many who will see the power of God at work when we pray and we wait and he answers. Number 12, prayer strengthens the bonds among believers. You know, families are often so close because they hang out so much together. They experience life together, if, especially if it's a family that, that is gracious and generous to one another when they screw up and make mistakes. They, they work through those things as husbands and wives. If, if we gave up at every drop of a, of a difficult situation, woof, right? Yeah, my wife agrees. But when you stick together through all of those things, deaths, sicknesses, tragedies, God uses that to strengthen and deepen your, your relationship with those who are close with you. That happens in the church, in, in the family of God, as we experience life together, as we pray together, as we confess our sins one to another, which we are commanded to do. We learn empathy and we understand the needs of others and we, we stand and we walk with each, with each other. We journey down the road of life. We, we are to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We are to be alert And keep on praying for all the Lord's people being watchful and thankful. And the final reason I have this morning that God wants us to talk to him is that prayer succeeds where other means fail. Now that's almost like getting the cart before the horse. Okay, what I'm I'm not saying is try all the other things and if they fail, try prayer. That's often what we do, right? We try and try and try to get, get through it on ourselves and we finally throw up our hands and say, man, God, will you help me? And he does. But we would have saved ourselves all of the struggle or at least the frustration if we had let him have that from the very beginning and then trusted him for the answer. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust first and then he will guide your understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. My favorite way to explain this, you know, you've probably heard it many times, uh, is a John Bunyan quote when he says, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can't do more than pray until you have prayed. See, there's still work on our part to do. There's still life to be lived, but we lay that at his feet first. And then he will strengthen us as we go through that. The call to prayer has never changed. From the opening of Genesis to Revelation, God is calling all of us to prayer. He used judges and prophets to plead with us, with humanity over time, to seek him. Even in our own day, he continues to speak to us through his son and through the Holy Spirit. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says in Revelation 3.20. So won't you let him in? Won't you lay your stuff down at his feet? Won't you communicate to an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, imminent God who loves you, who speaks to you, and who wants you to speak to him? Let's wake up each morning this week with a prayer of praise to God on our hearts in your sermon notes there, the 
The next steps, there's some verses, and, and of course, all of those verses that were up on the screen, you can work your way through those, reading those, and being reminded of, of the truth of God and who He is and why He wants to hear from you and why He speaks to you. But let's find and write down maybe a favorite praise-oriented passage this week. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it multiple times during the day. Maybe inside the cover of your phone. Maybe put it over your phone. That'd be good. And read it aloud several times a day to remind you of your creator and the fact that he wants to be in communion and relationship with you. Now, if Pastor Caleb, come up here. Let's, uh, let's move to our communion table here this morning and Jesus